the situation is like there right now, how people experience their everyday life, or what's uh, kind of what's the situation regarding kind of like safety and all others, what's the situation in the grain lines, so kind of villages, uh, which are basically being under constant shelling of kind of uh, Russian forces and was a situation with Ukrainian forces trying to kind of liberate those territories that they are not kind of forgotten and we want to kind of uh, again liberate and install a, a control of uh, Ukrainian those territories back. So if anyone has any question, please request a slot of a speaker uh, or and raise your hand up so we can, uh, I can translate it for you and uh, you can get your question, uh, question answered. And to this we go to Slava Ukraine again, please. Дякую. У мене питання таке. Коли ви бачили цих солдатів, це переважно які? Молоді призовники якісь, чи можливо якісь старші якісь професіонали? Тобто, якщо ви їх бачили, можливо, зблизька, тобто, як вони і чому, що їм дає таку впевненість, що це вони тут надовго в Україні? Дякую. Це до мене, да, знову запитання зараз. Так, так. Дякую. Дивіться, там теж ведеться, на мою думку, пропаганда серед окупантів, серед російських солдат, що вони безсмертні, що вони всемогучі, що вони якась там супернація, що вони якісь там якісь у них супермісія і дурних там багато вони кидають м'ясо призивники молоді якісь буряти з бідних республік якихось які не мають зовсім роботи коштів підписують контракт вони це м'ясо, яке кидають на, наперед, на, на фронт, і за допомогою їх йдуть е, у наступ, е, а більш досвідчені, е, е, я теж їх бачив, вони е, їздять на дорогих крутих автівках, е, командують цими призивниками, дають їм якусь тяжку роботу, десь стояти у полі або на якихось блокпостах. І ну, багато дуже там спеціалістів, ФСБшників, які, яких є якийсь досвід великий, тому що Росія вже веде не одну війну, в неї багато досвід у, у, у війні. На мою думку, там дуже багато досвідчених воєнних, які можуть управляти, не треба їх тримати за, за дурнів. Вони весь час пере, пере, ну, ховаються, а 
строки строковиків вони кидають у самі гарячі точки. Дякую. So the situation was regarding the kind of uh, what the soldiers are like in those occupied territories where the kind of like a young and experienced one or what was the general situation to which our guest replied that of course there are some kind of uh, kind of younger soldiers kind of more experienced one that they're really kind of endowed with propaganda and believe in their kind of mission of liberating kind of ukraine from uh, like nazist and stuff like that and those usually come from kind of empower uh, empowered republic like uh, Buratia or anything like that so they are generally uh, kind of uh, like they generally just uh, again just really they just were kind of filled with propaganda and of course there are lots of elites kind of uh, Russian Russian commanding because again Russia does has rich experience of kind of taking uh, partake in wars of occupying territories so it's would be kind of it would be a little bit uh, kind of even dangerous to take them for kind of for being foolish of course they're kind of foolish in, in some in some respects but they do know how to kind of occupy territories so they cannot uh, do this without kind of certain elites certain collaborants which are also like present on kind of Ukrainian side as we see some politicians just kind of uh, kind of betraying Ukraine so it's uh, so there are, course, there are of course elites who are kind of driving in kind of expensive cars and they are commanding those who are under like under them uh, so setting them with kind of uh, difficult tasks like occupying fields and uh, like like and stuff like that but of course there is kind of a level of hierarchy and that uh, again they are acting really arrogant they are acting as if it's their land and if it's kind of uh, kind of trying to spread the propaganda and believe in it to begin with and again, I'll make a short announcement. So we have our guests who come from occupied her son, so they managed to escape. But again, they lived under the occupation for three months. So if anyone has a question regarding their experiences or what they got to live, like, live through and what the situation is like now on the occupied territories, please uh, request a slot of a speaker. You can do so by tapping on the microphone in the left, uh, uh, bottom left corner. And then you can like raise your hand up and present your questions so I can translate it for you. Uh, so thank you. And with that, we go to Luis and then Petro. So Luis, please. Thank you, Juliana. Um, I just wanted to ask if uh, they have someone in the family that has been killed or uh, taken away by Russia. Питання про те, що чи у вас є якісь знайомі, чи там друзі, чи там якісь сім'я, які там їх чи викрадали окупаційні сили, чи там щось навіть гірше траплялося, що ви чули там з вашого близького Дякую. Зараз жінка розповість, і родичів там вбили на роботі 
дивіться, такий дуже, ну, такий дуже, скажімо, чутливий, чутлива тема, якщо ви відмовляєтесь і там вам потенційно там неприємно, звичайно ж розуміємо, я можу це просто сказати і це все добре, ніхто там нікого не заставляє, типу, але якщо ви хочете поділитися, то звичайно також без проблем. Жінки-матері, співробітник жив у селищі Снігурівка Миколаївської області, коли він, це було на початку березня, коли він їхав на роботу, його автівку розстріляли, в ній був він і його онук, восьмирічний хлопчик. Потім його поїхали шукати родичі і побачили розстріляну автівку з, з, з загиблими. загиблими. Це дійсно було і це розповідала мати моєї дружини. Це одна історія, таких дуже багато історій, коли, коли ми ходили шукати їжу по місту з початку березня, ми зайшли у двір багатоповерхівки, це було після першого березня і там лежав, лежав труп чоловіка зірваний на шматки після вибуху снаряду від танку таких багато дуже случаев було зараз я ще спам'ятаю поки це розповідайте будь ласка, дякую Uh, so, of course, it's a kind of a very sensitive topic, but they agreed to share some of kind of uh, experiences they've like personally heard. So about uh, uh, so the wife of a speaker, uh, her mother's co-worker. So he used to drive in a village of uh, in, in a village in Mykolaiv Oblast, and it was it happened back in March, when a kind of Russian shelled uh, his car, when, where he was with his eight year eight year old grandson, and so like Russians shelled their car. So and of course their family went on search for them, and they found the car was kind of like bodies containing it's like of like of a like of a man and his grandson and then they also tell about their own experience when uh kind of uh when they were go they went in searching for food and they went close to kind of uh in, in close to the block of kind of houses and they saw like a body laying around because it was uh, kind of a man died from an explosion of a shell that was uh, uh, that was fired from a tank so like they did have kind of experience of like seeing people being kind of victims of like like shelling first hand and with that we go to i think it was petro and then uh, use uh, 
sorry, Dr. Fala and Louis. Uh, Juliana, can I just make a small uh, comment? I wanted to apologize the way I asked the question. Uh, it seemed to be cold, but um, I wanted to know exactly what he said because uh, people misunderstand uh, that these are the reports that we should listen to because it is um, sorry for for this term but it's a daily business that uh, russia is doing in ukraine so it is important even if it's a sensitive t uh, topic to talk about it to let the rest of Europe uh, know what is going on. And that's why I asked the question. I do apologize the way I asked, but it is important to, to listen to it. Thank you, Luis. So, там просто пояснювали, що дійсно вони там трішечки надто такий, трішки надто чутлива тема для розмови, що він дійсно там не хотів, якщо що, вас там задівати, або, типу, Турбувати цим запитанням просто там факт того, що от він вважає, що там треба це, щоб там про це вчив світ і все інше, і там ми дійсно багато про це читаємо, але інколи так також, коли люди там дійсно розказують просто там свій власний досвід, і типу, звичайно ж так це відчувається, типу, це якось. Ну, знову ж таки, просто така загальна типу інформування, що ось це дійсно відбувається, люди бачать. Але mm -hmm. дякую вам все одно, дуже дякую вам все одно, і там перепрошую, якщо вам треба якесь там проживати або там згадувати це все. І якщо ви не проти, ми перейдемо там до інших запитань. Mm -hmm. Так, дякую, будь ласка. So with that we go to Petro, Dr. Fella and then Kili. Ало, чуєте? Чую, чую, як справи? А, добре, дякую. Дійсно, вибачте за такі ну, питання. А, е, дякую за вашу відвагу а, ну, і співчуття е, від нас всіх, які е, слухають. От, е, я, можливо, приєднався і хотів запитатись. Два питання у мене, якщо можна. Перше, чи можете розповісти, яка ситуація з окупантами стосовно ну, їхніх стосунків з жінками і дівчатами у місті? Друге питання, бо я, можливо, не почув. Раніше, якщо раніше вже говорили, то можете вже не повторюватись про харчування і про воду у місті, ну, коли ви там були, можливо, якщо знаєте, як там ну, зараз. Дуже дякую. Слава. Героям слава, дякую за запитання. Дивіться, жінками... Були да, такі випадки, що жінок викрадали і гвалтували, і е, морально е, знущалися. Е, 
але якщо ну, бути більш обережною, не якось не провокувати і, і сидіти вдома, то більш-менш жінкам безпечно. Більш напружена ситуація в селах, тому що там менше, менше інформації, там кілька вулиць, і там набагато більше випадків, коли окупанти нап'ються і заходять до будь-якої хати і гвалтують жінку, не, не дивлячись ні на що. І якщо, якщо їм щось не сподобається, вони можуть, можуть просто вбити її. А на рахунок їжі в місті більш-менш ситуація з їжею стабільна, тому що у нас регіон дуже багатий на овочі, на фрукти, дуже багато людей займається сільським господарством, і з цим питанням більш-менш ситуація стабільна. Але ціни в кілька разів дорожче, і якісь товари, які не вирощуються у Херсоні, то вони в десятки разів дорожчі, ніж у підконтрольній території України. На, на рахунок води наше місто розташоване на, на річці, і з водою питань ніяких не було там кілька районів було відключено від водопостачання але я так зрозумів що водоканал вирішив це питання і на рахунок води проблем ніяких не було дякую за питання Дякую. So I'll make a quick kind of uh, quick kind of note that what I'm going to translate now is a little bit of again of a sensitive topic, and that it could basically contain some like triggering factors or kind of some exp- kind of bits of explicit content. So if you are uncomfortable, and it's kind of relating to also a sexual like a sexual exploitation of women in occupied territories. So please, if you are kind of sensitive to this, so you can just okay there there is kind of a preliminary warning issued right now so one of the questions was regarding what's the situation with women on occupied territories so uh, as the reporters say that women need to be also extra careful uh, because again they could also just be kidnapped for the reason of again affiliation to Ukrainian armed forces or of course for a reason of sexual exploitations uh, there has been reports that Russian soldiers kind of got really drunk stormed into uh, kind of a home where there is a female where they could rape her where they could kind of take kind of advantage of her kind of um, and of course, if uh, a woman is not being cooperative, if she is kind of, if she is like rejecting, the, like drunk, like Russian soldiers, that could, they could well be fatal for a woman uh, to kind of reject 
since again they do act as they please and when they're being drunk they are just kind of more dangerous because they're being even more unreasonable so of course uh, uh, the um, kind of um, speaker here said that women need to be kind of extra careful not to kind of uh, provoke them in a way to be kind of uh, suspicious again to uh, we, sp- we spoke about the kind of uh, speaking Ukrainian language or just kind of uh, uh, being of kind of a, a patriotic anti like Russian attitudes that can lead to them having kind of kind of uh, extra attention on on a person not only female but like in this situation what they can do to females of course kind of differs uh, like a little bit so of course they need to be extra careful in their kind of like hand, like handling uh, handling themselves. So uh, the next question was regarding food supplies. What are the situation with uh, food like now in Kherson? To which she replied, there is kind of no shortage, but there are of course the issue with prices because uh, prices have skyrocketed, and there is an issue due to people basically not being able to afford it and. Um, and also a question regarding the uh, water supply. Was the situation was uh, kind of uh, water supply in an occupied territory? So, Kherson is situated on a river, so the the question of water supply is not as dire. But of course, uh, uh, like some regions were cut off from a kind of water supply, which also made it kind of. Uh, complicated for uh, like local citizens and again the, well, well the situation with food and with water uh, like when there is no shortage of it there is kind of uh, issues with the supply regarding to the affordability and again it touched on the topic before how a russian are force uh, are forcing ukrainian citizens to take up uh, russian passports it's through the way of kind of especially kind of with elderly and more vulnerable who uh, kind of were like struggling. So the rise in prices is absolutely um, kind of horrible for them since they need to kind of afford some food that they need to kind of survive. And that's what uh, Russian are exchanging kind of food for kind of citizenship. Let's put it this way. And with that, we'll go to Dr. Fala, please. Take the question. Hello, hi. I want to thank our guest for coming and sharing his testimony with us. And I wanted to ask, uh, since it isn't that easy to escape, to leave occupied areas, who are, who, what is population that is forced to stay, that doesn't have a choice to leave even if they want, wanted to? Is it mostly elderly or who are those people who are forced, who just don't have ability to to even try to leave. Thank you. Питання наскільки зараз можливо покинути Херсон і чи типу загально ті, хто залишається, типу на підконтрольних російськими силами територіях, це типу старші люди, які там більше типу їм складніше виїхати. Так, покинути Херсон на підконтрольну територію дуже важко, практично неможливо. Була нещодавна інформація, що можна виїхати через Васильівку, це на Запоріжжя. 
стосовно Кривого Рогу або Миколаєва, там все заміновано і виїхати вкрай небезпечно практично нереально. Це на грані життя і смерті. А в Васильівку я чув, що люди одні виїхали, а інші повернулися. Єдиний шлях виїхати – це через окупований Крим, але це теж дуже складно. Треба моніторити телефон, все чистити, дивитися декілька разів, що в тебе в месенджерах, в Телеграмі, в Фейсбуці, контакти, все треба чистити, бо можеш не доїхати, там, залишити тебе в, в, в тюрмі. Стосовно населення, так, там переважно елітні люди залишились, всі молоді люди більше, більше 50% на мою думку вже виїхало, залишилось тільки літні люди, інваліди або у кого батьки складні, тяжкохворі. Так, це, це вірно, що в основному літні люди там залишились, яким нікуди їхати. Дякую. Дякую. Uh, So the question was regarding uh, oh, again the question was asking in English sorry so um, what the situation is like uh, regarding whether people can leave so again there was some reports that they could leave through some village to the Parisia oblast but again those reports are um, I don't know whether they are confirmed and uh, generally uh, the possibility of kind of, of leaving with, uh, the professional forces is close is close to kind of impossible since a lot of routes are mined since there are kind of constant battles going on and since again uh, it's just to prevent the uh, so the situation like to leave is uh, is way too way too dangerous for people and again about 50% of young population who kind of who managed to leave they left and those who stayed behind as uh, like rightfully noted as those kind of elderly people who are vulnerable and do not have as kind of as much uh, opportunity to leave or those who have kind of vulnerable parents kind of health-wise uh, they cannot leave them behind or how we talked before that they have their own kind of businesses or, or like basically their life in her son so they accumulated uh, through like through his lifetime and people have very difficult times kind of leaving it all behind and uh, kind of and moving out without uh, anything left so of course uh, kind of the situation to leave like the option to leave is kind of is 
currently is highly unlikely due to sheer kind of a threat again coming from being the probability of being shelled by Russian forces while you're just moving in your civilian cars or just due to the fact that a lot of land is mined and that's kind of um, again really dangerous and with that we go to Joan please uh, thank you uh, Uliana um, I wanted to ask regarding the uh, the food situation. We heard a few days ago from a Ukrainian journalist, uh, Mr. Viktor Kovalenko, who was on the space, that the Russian uh, forces in Kherson were reportedly eating dogs and other animals, and the Ru the Russian soldiers were, you know, had very bad access to food. I was wondering if uh, the Russians have resorted to stealing food from, you know. The population in Harrison, and if so, to what extent? Знов питаю ситуацію за їжу. Там були там в березні. Там казали, що от в російських військ взагалі нема що їсти. Там їхні раціони були там дуже погані. Вони там були призначені, щоб взагалі там їм тільки там на пару днів чи на пару тижнів. То вони там через там казали, що їли там безхатніх тварин і всього іншого. І типу, наскільки зараз типу ситуація змінилася, ну типу, вже розповідали про те, що вони там обкрадають там будівлі, фермерів і все інше, але там знову ж таки трішки повторюємося, але якщо можете також так в загальних рисах розказати. Ага, дякую. Дивіться. Так, дійсно, у них був раціон там на тиждень, але вони ж захватчики, окупанти і вони не, не, не розтірялися, вони заходили в магазини, брали товар, брали, заходили в екомаркет, сільпо, ВТБ, все набирали в свої танки, вантажівки і везли на, свій, на свої блокпости. Потім в них вже... Появилася можливість продавати солярку, що я бачив, що коли в місті не було бензину чи солярки, вони продавали цивільним солярку за гроші, за півціни, тому що треба було якось людям їздити і вони продавали своє своє топливо це на рахунок як вони обмінювали а саме саме простий варіант да це вони заходили просто в магазин набирали що їм потрібно і йшли по своїм справам я не думаю що вони погано харчуються дякую uh, dziękuję. So, um, regarding the kind of food supply of, kind of Russian forces, so of course they would it uh, receive kind of back also in March that their supplies are insufficient, that they just got rationing for few days or at best kind of few weeks, and it's also generally really pure and that they're, therefore, that they're starving. 
But of course, it doesn't let them to kind of get the food through kind of legal means. They are kind of, they are occupants. They just kind of looted uh, houses. They looted shops for food, for anything. Again, if you refuse to cooperate with them, it could cost you your life. So people did not have many kind of... Uh, many options and also Harrison is uh, is a very rich in terms of its kind of uh, food produce so again that's what we hear about Russian taking away grain Russian taking away kind of different sort of vegetables and fruits away from Harrison and transported it transported it to Crimea oh and regarding the question whether it's possible to leave Harrison as well I just forgot that I forgot to translate that it's possible to leave through Crimea but again and what do you do next when you reach Crimea out of Kherson? It's still you can't leave the occupied Russian territory, uh, kind of like the, the territories that are under Russian control. So potentially, it's you. It's possible to leave Crimea, but again, what, what, what's the purpose of that if the person to is intended to enter Ukrainian-controlled territory? So and uh, the situation with uh, uh, like Russian um, food supplies is not as uh, is, is not as bad now. They kind of they are not struggling since again they install their control and uh, now having kind of a stable food supply of kind of looted uh, shops, looted houses, and also kind of stolen um, like st- stolen. Um, uh, like stolen goods from uh, kind of farmers um, again, uh, and also regarding the 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 shortage of oil for cars, as uh, so they also use it to their advantage of selling some of the kind of products in exchange for local money. But again, it's kind of it's changing since they're kind of consolidating their control, and now kind of there is kind of no as much of an issue for them. And with that, we go to Nick. Please say your question. Just, uh, I just had a little detail to add. A couple of points ago, somebody was talking about people changing passports. And in case uh, any of the people listening are wondering why, uh, you know, someone living in Kherson, why changing their passport might be a, a concern uh, in, 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 in Russia and Ukraine, I believe the passport uh, is your national identity document. So Americans don't have these at all. British people don't have them at all. Um, they, both of those countries, a passport is a document you have when you travel. In most of Western Europe, we have a little ID card, uh, but Ukraine and Russia, I believe Ukraine, certainly Russia, has the old Soviet model, which is that you have a passport for internal use, and it looks like a passport, uh, and I believe if you actually want to leave the country, you then have to get an actual travel passport. Uh, but a, just so that people know passport is, is another way of saying their ID card. So, you know, having their nationality changed rather than some kind of uh, minor thing of changing your travel document is very much more than that. Uh, briefly Thank to you, Nick. Nick's point, um, I believe, Uliana, feel free to correct me on this if I'm wrong, that the, the internal passports in Russia act as essentially proof of Russian citizenship to put it a little bit more bluntly, which is the, the whole problem here. Uh, so regarding the citizenship uh, passport, again, uh, as a Ukrainian citizen, you have kind of uh, your ID card. So it's kind of, it, it's it's act as internal passport. So Ukraine switched to kind of, uh, to it being also a card. But again, it could also be used 
primarily internally. And we have kind of foreign passports that we use as a travel document where kind of we kind of receive stamps, anything like, like that. So it's like a booklet kind of thing. Russia, I'm not as aware of their situation. I have like seen their kind of like a passport, like passport that have been kind of like booklets, books. So of course it's a statement of kind of uh, Russian citizenship and like the, the, the kind of the scheme is similar to that of like one they use in Crimea. For example, if Ukrainian citizens wanted to keep their kind of property in Crimea, they were usually forced to take on like Russian citizenship because again, they could retain their kind of privilege privileges as homeowners only kind of as Russian citizenship. So they kind of forced in Ukrainian citizens to uptake Russian one in like in many ways. But uh, whilst also like the passport states that you kind of Russian citizen, it's kind of it's also up to a person to kind of execute or use that right. So person can have a citizenship, but not kind of do anything else with it. So they can have a passport, but do not kind of pay taxes or anything like that. But again, it, de it depends. I don't know how it's the situation is like on occupied territories regarding that. Or people just take like passports, take uh, SIM cards and that's it. Or they kind of also have some certain condition attached to them. Because I, I do not think they, together with taking Russian passports, they forced to give up Ukrainian one. So, um, but thank you for this question. And then we go to Luis again. Thank you, Juliana. Um, and thank you, Sergey, for taking the time to answer our question. Um, I would like to go back a little bit to the topic about the Russian soldiers. And I, I apologize if I'm going back to it because it's a sensitive topic. Um, but I would like to ask two questions. The first one is, um do does it think that the russian soldiers are being forced to do the atrocities they are doing by their commanders um and honestly they do not want to do it or uh how does it see he sees that and the second question is um during the time that they were forced to escape from from Kherson and uh, the travel that they had do they met some Rus russian soldier that um was yeah human to to them um and helped them in in some way or another uh, did they have um some kind of experience like that uh, I missed the second part, but uh, regarding the first part, it's whether Russians, like ordinary Russian soldiers, feel as if they forced. Um, okay. Питання про типу, як себе поводять знову ж таки російські солдати, чи от це в них ось таке настановка від командування, чи там в них в них дійсно немає якогось такого контролю, і вони все типу виробляють просто так, як хочуть. Бо у них просто є на це теж право, а те, що вони вважають, що у них є на це право. А, ну дивіться, в місті вони поводяться більш культурно. Я так розумію, що є такий наказ, щоб місто якось зберігати. Є різні солдати, 
Срочники, вони більш такі якісь гуманні, тому що вкусили смак наживи якоїсь, вони як на полюванні. Вони шукають якусь здобич, десь щось вкрасти, десь щось заробити. Це, я так розумію, контрактники, які вже не перший день на війні. І я думаю, що вони як на полюванні. Але ну, командування жорстоке і з цивільними ніхто не, не церемониться, якщо щось побачать української символіки, або щось в телефоні, або яку переписку. Вони дуже не люблять слово «орки». Це якось їх задіває зовсім, тому що як, як тварини вони. Ну, так вони як на службі. Я не знаю, більше нічого не можу сказати. Дякую. Дякую вам за відповідь. So, uh, in the city of Kherson itself, Russian soldiers are acting more civilized because, again, their wings are clipped. Uh, so, from a higher commanding, they are kind of, they are not allowed to perpetrate as many kind of uh, like uh, crimes as they we've seen kind of somewhere else when So the occupation forces in Kherson are, again, they are more of a kind of limiting factor to kind of ordinary Russian uh, forces, since they do not kind of allow to perpetrate this level of kind of atrocities that we, they do in the villages where kind of the reporting or the highlight is not just kind of, should not be as well seen, but the situation with people with uh, contract soldiers who've been in this war kind of before they do have this uh, kind of um, I don't know how to describe it but basically they did uh, have the experience of kind of, of um, um, like uh, occupying territories before so their kind of moods are more kind of um, uh, more violent And uh, again, that again that uh, that they do not take uh, uh, kind of Ukrainian symbol symbolic uh, symbolics lightly. They despise the word orcs. So again, then that they could, uh, on their own volition, to kind of to kind of perpetrate all different crimes and like uh, again, uh, ki- like killing uh, like ordinary citizens just because they dislike like their position or uh, for their lack of cooperation or obedience. Дякую знову за відповідь. Microphone check. Loud and clear. Thank you. Oh dear. Um... Can you hear me? Um, can you hear me? Can I just go? Um, I'm not sure it's working. Uh, um, can you hear me? Yeah, Juliana, we can hear you, but can you hear us? Yes, we can hear you now. Okay. Um, if it's all right with you, could we round it off in 10 more minutes? So if there's any more questions, uh, now is a good time. But if we, if we could finish in 10 minutes, that would be good. 
Uh, okay, I just make again a short announcement. So um, again, we have uh, here uh, guests who managed to escape occupied her son, but again, they've been under occupation, li- living under occupation for three months. They managed to escape, and they are now sharing their experience, what it's like to live under the occupation. So, what's like the behavior of Russian forces? Or what's the situation is like? Uh, for kind of uh, Ukrainian like uh, Ukrainians on occupied territories uh, or kind of their daily lives alike. So if you'd like to ask uh, them any question, uh, you can request your place as a speaker. Uh, it's uh, bottom left corner, there's a microphone you can request and then we'll pull you up and uh, you can ask um, and you can ask a question because our guests just have about 10 minutes now and then they would like to go. So, uh, with that, uh, Luis, please. Thank you, Juliana. I have one one last question, uh, or two uh, last questions. Uh, are they aware that the majority of the world is seeing them and seeing what they are suffering suffering right now, and that we are trying our best to help? in any way we can by donating by pressing our local officials politicians to deliver more heavy weapons um and also praying every single day that uh, uh ukraine wins uh, sooner than later are they aware of this and uh what what would he like um uh, the rest of the world to know uh if he had one minute and uh Uh, international television, what would he tell us, the people that are listening? Загальне вираження підтримки, що ось ми вас бачимо, ми вас чуємо, що ось типу, ми розуміємо, що типу, відбувається, що типу, дуже вдячні, що ви сюди приходите і там розповідаєте нам про це все. І звичайно ж ми сподіваємося, що Херсон буде звільнено, що Україна переможе. І таке там трішки альтернативне запитання, якщо у вас була хвилина часу на міжнародному телебаченні, що б ви хотіли там, ну, які би був у вас яке би було ваше звернення, повідомлення, там, саме основне? Я зрозумів. Телебачення зараз. Дивіться, я так розумію, люди, люди повинні більше допомагати один, один одному. Якщо це даже інша країна, європейські страни, країни Америка, Канада і інші страни, країни світу повинні допомагати Україні, тому що Росія дуже сильна країна і вона весь час присаджувала на, на, на газову і нафтову голку всі країни, і в неї дуже багато ресурсів, вона може воювати дуже довго, і це, це небезпечно дуже для всього світу. 
Я е, хочу попросити, щоб більше допомагали Україні, е, допомагали українським людям і більше вводили санкції для Росії, тому що Росія не зупиниться. Напевно, це буде кілька років, а може більше, але я впевнений в перемозі України, і Україна сильна, Україна переможе, українські люди це є нація, вона, вони об'єднані, вони люблять свою країну. І якщо Росія змогла зробити з такою великою країною, як Україна, такі тортури, такі вбивства, такі розруху таку, то для неї інші країни, якщо, якщо, якщо вона зможе перемогти в цій війні, для неї ну, зовсім буде легко захопити інші країни. Це випробування для всього цивілізованого і нормального світу це виклик і ніхто не зможе це пережити якщо не підтримує Україну дякую всім за, за те що вислухали слава Україні героям слава So the general, the general message is regarding kind of support for Ukraine and that uh, kind of what Russia managed to do to Ukraine in uh, kind of to such a big country as Ukraine is kind of it means that like Russian uh, Russia won't really stop at anything so if they need to kind of destroy the cities that's what they do and that that sanctions on Russia should not stop uh the support for Ukraine should not stop because of course we all know kind of how Russia has influence over kind of European countries through oil and gas like through oil and gas and how the situation kind of should change because Russia do have due to European money Russia do has a ability and kind of funds to fuel into this war and to kind of and to continue the atrocities they're perpetrating in kind of in Ukraine and this should certainly change Ukraine is strong, people in Ukraine are united, and it might take a while, but we are sure of our victory just because um kind of we kind of we are strong in the in a in a, before the oppressor we all see uh what they're doing on our land, what they're doing to our people, and yet we choose to kind of continue to stand against them, continue to resist because we know kind of the price of kind of freedom and we of course we ask for like for 
people to help to support us and to kind of not to divert the attention from us and that and to realize that whilst Ukrainian military is doing a great job we should also not under like Russian power Russian kind of uh, like Russian kind of economy and that it's again is being sustained by through the like through the purchases of oil and gas and again this should change because this kind of could attribute to kind of prolonging the war so this like that's the general gist of a message for speaker дуже дякую вам за всі відповіді сьогодні дякую вам теж за можливість розказати про свою історію. Ми казали, у нас тільки 10 хвилин. Там просто ще одне питання. Хтось надіслав повідомлення про вам зараз надають допомогу якось психологічну чи щось того. І знову ж таки, якщо вам некомфортно про це розповідати, можете просто сказати. Типу... Так, нам надають допомогу і моральну, і матеріальну. Ми, ми багато не потребуємо. У нас є дах над головою, у нас є їжа, у нас є навколо усмішки людей, і всі співчувають. Дуже приємно такий прийом. Ми даже не могли подумати, що нас так будуть зустрічати як героїв. Дуже багато прапорів по всій Європі. Ми бачили, це дуже приємно, що всі люди переживають, що всі люди співчувають. Так, у нас все добре. Дякую всім. Дякую за відповідь. Uh, so there was a question in my DMs regarding whether this family receives any form of psychological help, to which uh, our guest replied that they do receive both monetary and um, psychological kind of a moral help, that they have roof uh, under which they live and they do not require much, but they were also like pleasantly surprised by the amount of kind of support, by the amount of kind of uh, empathy seen from people, amount of Ukrainian flags that there are in Europe, so the overall support and the overall kind of uh, pro-Ukrainian moods that are prevalent kind of in uh, Europe and that it's truly kind of uh, heartwarming and that they are glad that there are so many people that are willing and to, to kind of to help them to help Ukraine and to support Ukraine in any way available. No, thank you very much. And if you need to go, thank you very much today for that you joined us and for that you answered our questions. I'm sorry if there were some чутливі запитання, але все одно дуже дякую, що розповіли там свою історію і що поділилися з людьми своїм досвідом. Дякую всім. Так, мені теж було приємно поспілкуватися всім. Гарного, гарного вечора, доброї ночі, до побачення, слава Україні, героям слава. Україна понад усе. Смерть ворогам. Слава Україні. Героям слава і смерть ворогам.
so our speaker needs to go now, but again, he's really grateful for all the questions that uh, we got to ask them today. So uh, also kind of usual Slava Ukraini, Heroim Slava, Slava Nazi, Smerch Vurohom. So um, they just like thank you.